From the Standing Stone Farm Studio right outside downtown Nashville, it's time for the most ridiculous sports podcast in the world. So sit back, relax, and listen as Bobby Butler and Brandon Bond crack open a cold one and talk all things hockey, pop culture, and complain about everyday situations. It's the Pucks Out Podcast on the Penalty Box Radio Network. and welcome into episode four of the Pucks Out Podcast, a member of Penalty Box Radio Network. I'm Bobby Butler, and with me, as always, Mr. Brandon Bond. Hello! We are here in the Standing Stone Farm studio, and we got a great show for you today. So it's time to crack open a cold one and talk some hockey and pop culture. Today's beer, Yingling Black and Tan. We try to keep it classy for you guys, <laughs> only the finest while we're talking sports. That's actually the first time I've had this beer. Not bad. Not. A, I thought it was going to be a little mm. bit darker. Yeah, I've had it a couple times. I'm more of a, a, a classic Yingling guy myself, Bobby. But I'll, I'll let it pass because we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think. but first, before we get into how we're doing, I have a quick apology I need to get to. It's not as nearly as bad as Brand, what Brandon had to apologize for, but last week, I talked a lot of shit about Black Abbey Brewing and that beer that I drank during the Super Bowl. Well, I want apologies to Black Abbey. It was actually Blackstone Brewing. <laughs> so Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. I, uh, I got back home i opened the fridge and i was like oh shit luckily luckily we don't have enough we don't influence enough people to <laughs> have caused any damages to black abbey or blackstone really yeah. everybody's like we're not gonna drink either of those anyway anyway how are you doing today man doing good looking forward to looking forward to this show we um uh, having justin bradford on a little later so i'm excited to excited to see him i think we're going to talk a little bit about the sec eight HC tournament this weekend that you actually did a few stats for. Yeah, uh, a I, uh, I was working up in the right? press box. You know, it was a good time. Ford Ice Center in Bellevue is awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. We we they had the the draft picks restaurant and you told me about it and I figured it was just going to be almost concession stand esque type. Man, they had some really really good food. Uh, the the buffalo chicken Southwest egg rolls. You had Excellent. some of those, right? You yeah. had some of those. You said their wings were really wings good. Wings were solid. So let's uh let's move on to some news. Unfortunately, it seems like every time after we get done recording this show, some news drops right then. So we're always late to the punch with the news. But I guess really the only NHL news going on this week is uh, the trade between Toronto Maple Leafs and Los Angeles. Nobody looks at us as hard hitters, though, Bobby. <laughs> they're not coming to us for the news. They're they're coming to laugh. So Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford are headed to Toronto from L.A., and in return, LA is getting Trevor Moore, a third round pick in 2020, and a third round pick in 2021. Some quick stat rundowns for these guys: Jack Campbell, 28 year old goalie, he's been eight, ten, and two with a 2.85 goals against. His his st- I do want to interject here real quick and say his stats this year are. LA has been terrible. So his yeah. stats this year are a little reflective of that. He had a much better season last season, but go ahead. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, I totally meant to <laughs> yeah. interrupt you, but he's got a 900 save percentage. Most of the season he's been the, well, all of the season he's been the backup for Jonathan quick. So, you know, he's filling in right now. Freddie Anderson's got a neck injury, which I don't know if we've had an update on recently. I think he's actually skating, skating now with the team, but that could mean a lot of things for a goalie. Yeah. So, so now looking at Kyle Clifford, 29-year-old Ford, he's at, he has 14 points this season, six goals, eight apples, 45 PIMS in 53 games. He's got 129 points and 819 PIMS in 660 games with, with the Kings. And he actually won the Cup in 12 and 14 with L.A., so they got a, a little veteran presence there, and you know, a little some depth to go with the got you know, some, the got them some got them cup winners. You yeah, know, they've been there before. Yeah, no, I think it was a, I think it was a good move for Toronto for sure. Yeah, I absolutely understand. Even even with you know, if, even if he is skating, if he'll be back soon, whatever. You got to have some goalie depth going down the stretch here, if only for the fact that you realize, oh, my goalie can get hurt, and I need something a little better than what well, I think it was McElhaney. It was the uh, was the backup there in Toronto, yeah. so I think it was a, a good move for them to get a little depth uh, in the goaltending crease uh, in LA last year. He kind of you know quick on and off, playing bad, hurt as well. He did a really good job filling in last year a little more so than this year. But LA is just, I mean, it's imploding from the team yeah. that you know pretty recently was was winning cups. It's it's looking like no California teams are going to make the playoffs. So. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's it's uh, another great reason to to talk uh, to love hockey. The parody, you know, we got Chicago's not what they were at one point. LA's not what they were at one point. At some point, Boston and the Capitals won't be what they they are at this point. And so everybody really really has a chance. I'm really really looking forward to the playoffs this year, yeah. man. There's going to be hopefully our Preds are there. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of the Preds, we're recording this on Monday night. We're finishing off the road trip tonight in Vancouver. So far, we've got four out of six points. It's a late game tonight, and, well, you, you guys know this because you're listening to this on Wednesday. You know, hopefully they uh, can pull this off. I would like to at least at least see them get the loser point tonight, and I think if they can get the loser point tonight, then it would would have been a successful road trip. Yeah, I definitely would love to see them come out of here, uh, out of this road trip six out six out of eight points, but five would be would be fine yeah. as well. Vancouver stuff, man. I mean, we just yeah. need to go in there and and they, they do what they do well, and so it's and a, you know it's a late they, they trounced us earlier in the season, but this is not the same Preds team. Was no. it a different Preds team? No. They're looking good. You know, they've. Tur- I think that if they can have a good showing. Night, they've confirmed that they've turned a corner and they're in the playoff push. They definitely, they definitely have looked different. Yeah, you know, when we kind of talked about, I think episode one, where we would kind of know the new John Hines team starting with the Toronto game. It didn't look strong. <laughs> it did, your, your your prediction didn't look strong then, but then you've seen stretches. The biggest thing is they've got to be more consistent. They haven't had yeah. a four game win streak since. November. They haven't had October, a three game, win three game since wins. November. Right, and the longest one of the yeah. season is four, right? Yeah, I yeah. Think so so, that so was back three games, maybe three games. That's you know we got in such those. a tight contested race. You yeah. gotta you gotta get some wins. Yeah, and hey, the other night they uh, dropped two against uh, Oilers after being up two one. Yeah, but you know what? I I was able to watch some of that game while I was working uh, the the press box at the SEC HC tournament, and they looked good. They made some mistakes towards the end of the second. The wheels started falling off a little bit. Well, and Leon, but, yeah, I mean you're playing the Oilers. You're playing two of the best scorers right now in the league. I yeah, mean, I mean Leon. Leon Drysaddle and Compton are going to score. They're going to score absolutely, and yeah. so you, you got kind of staved yeah. it. Off, you staved it off uh, up until up until the end, and and then yeah. he Soros had some awesome saves. But I mean, thank goodness I convinced you to switch <laughs> to switch to McDavid with me on the on the points award, yeah. man, because. You almost put, took Drysidle. Yeah, and uh, it looks like uh, the old Honda Civic is going to win the uh, Rocket Richard. Man, don't hate on a Honda Civic. They're <laughs> they're reliable. Yeah, we're, definitely. Uh, um, yeah, no, Pasta's kind of slip uh, sliding behind. But since you doubled down on that, you know who I'm going to be cheering for, uh, as well as my boy Pasta. Austin Matthews is tied with 40 goals. He doesn't have Mike Babcock holding him down anymore, so maybe he'll just take the lead on Olovechkin. We'll give you guys a a late-season update closer to time when awards will be picked, probably before playoffs uh, of where we stand. Yeah, um, so quick update. The Islanders up on the Caps, one nothing. so we'll be keeping track of that during the show and you know let you know if uh, Ovi hits 700, which you would already know by the time this uh, show drops. Yeah, So we're but we're going to let you know again, just in case you didn't know. All right, man, so we, ac- we actually went to the – SECHC tournament this weekend. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar, the SECHC stands for the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference. Uh, they have 16 teams in the conference, so we got to see uh, see a few games on Saturday. We got to see the the losers bracket. We got to see Tennessee, South Carolina uh, in the morning. And then we got to see FAU Georgia Tech. And the final game we got to watch was Arkansas Georgia. And that was an awesome game for sure. I mean, it was ended up being 2-1 late late goal to send Arkansas through to the to the next round. But the actual tournament champion was who? Bob Ole Miss? Ole is that Miss. is that right? Yeah. Auburn and Ole Miss went the they actually had the game after the Georgia Arkansas game and it went it went. We had to get out of there, but it went super late, right? It went to yeah. two overtimes. Some, is that is that correct? Uh, something like that. Something I'm not. Like I'm, that. I don't have the stats in front of me right now. Hopefully, yeah. nobody will stat <laughs> check us, so we don't have to do another apology <laughs> next week. Three in a row. Yeah. That's embarrassing, man. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really fun weekend. Loved the bar there. I had to. We had to do my punishment for the Super Bowl predictions there, and that's up on Twitter. 
He got out pretty weak. He just <laughs> had to chug a pretty weak IPA. So. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Well, the punishments will get worse sometimes. Sometimes it'll be easy. The thing is, the thing is, when you're doing all the punishments, even the easy ones start to add up, <laughs> right? Because you know you yeah. gotta you, you've yet to beat me on anything. I will not be punished. Maybe we should put tattoos on the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, this past weekend was the XFL opening weekend, and man, I gotta say, I was impressed. Yeah, I, I enjoyed I watching those games. I didn't get to watch a lot of them, um, but from what I did see, hey, you know my opinion, brother. Football is football, yeah. and so we don't have any football, and so we decided that we we're going to pick a team, right, because that's what we do. We just yeah. pick teams to cheer for, and then we're irrationally mad when they don't <laughs> do well. We kind of landed on the same one, right? Yeah, so I am a uh, for the NFL, I'm a Redskins fan because that's where I was born, uh, right near D.C., so I'm a Washington Redskins fan, and so naturally I went for the D.C. Defenders because maybe then it'll be a winning team in Washington. I was going to say, I'm going to actually like the only winning team in, <laughs> in the D.C. area. So this podcast is now a D.C. Defenders podcast, buddy. We will, we will we'll update you about other stuff that, that, that happens to be going on. I don't know if it's going to be a weekly update or a <laughs> monthly update, but we'll tell you what's going on in the XFL. So DC Defenders, we but there was some good football. Yeah. Honestly, from no, what honestly, I what it's fun I saw, to watch. It, yeah, I mean football is like I said, football is football. I love watching football all levels. And these guys are pretty good. I think it'll be a you know almost a good farm system yeah. for the And the you can NFL. definitely tell that the experience isn't there for a lot of the players. I can't remember what team he plays on. Marquette King, the former Raiders punter, mm-hmm. great punter. He's got a leg on him. Yeah, it's not really different from from game to game, right? It's in punting. You just punt well, it. he <laughs> he had an amazing punt landed right on the one, and one of the punt coverage guys decided he was going to try and grab it, and he ended up pushing it into the end zone. Mm. So yeah, so it's one of those rare occasions where the punter gets to ream out a guy instead of the <laughs> yeah. other way around. So yeah, but I I believe that the league is doing replay of every play that happens something in like real that, time. Yeah. Something, yeah, I mean, I really like the aspect of seeing into the uh, press box where the officials are when they're reviewing. And, and you know, they're using Xbox controllers to rewind right. it and fast forward and pause it. I think that's pretty cool. And seeing it's the, just uh, it's just like a couple of guys like us, man. Vince, yeah. Ma- Vince McMahon found some guys that could that could run an Xbox and was like, hey, you want to do some replay for us? Finally, the fans are getting a, a yeah. voice. But uh, but I love how the, they did the kickoffs where they're what, they're about twenty yards up from the kicker, ten yards up from the kicker. Uh, I believe the kickers are at the thirty-five on and uh, they're away, and then the receiving team and then the kicking team players are like only five or ten yards away from each other, and they can't move until they catch the until they catch the ball. They catch the ball. I liked it because they were close. It gives you a good. Where you're going to see some good good coverage and some yeah. chance for good returns, yeah, but at the, the same time, the head injuries. Th- these guys aren't running 60, 70 yards down the field. I you were about to say 70 miles per hour. <laughs> like, I don't know what you've been watching. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Animal Planet, Bobby. I think that I think that Chris Johnson, the cheetah. You remember when that happened, man? When Chris Johnson said he was going to race a cheetah, as if as if. Chris Johnson's probably top out speed, one of the fastest guys ever in the NFL, was his top out speed had had to be like what, like twenty seven, twenty eight miles an hour, if that. I don't know yeah. what I don't know what the fastest. Speed. I think Dale Green, who's the fastest in the NFL, Cheetah. was like max out twenty nine. Cheetahs can run like up to <laughs> seventy miles an hour at the distance that he was talking about running, like seventy miles. Of, like you, like That's you have interstate. to be, you have to be able to run on the interstate <laughs> to go that fast. So yeah. So anyway. But no, yeah, that, so that was cool, man. That was the cool, cool kickoff. Yeah, so a little bit earlier, we sat down and had a phone call with Justin Bradford, the host and editor chief of Penalty Box Radio and the commissioner of the SECHC. And it was a pretty good phone call, and uh, here's that phone call. Bobby Butler and Brandon Bond here with Justin Bradford, host and editor in chief of Penalty Box Radio and commissioner of the SECHC. How's it going, Justin? It's going all right. Just really tired and exhausted, but it was definitely worth it after a very, very big weekend for us in college hockey. Yeah, we were we were gonna say we were gonna say, man, you just had a had a pretty successful tournament, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I will I say pretty much every year it seems that it's a, a, the most successful tournament that we've ever had, and I'll, I'll say that again this year it's the most successful tournament we've ever had. Big crowds uh, at the new rink in Bellevue. Uh, college hockey continues to grow. I mean, our conference is sixteen teams this year, and the top eight made it to the tournament. A six seed in Ole Miss, they won the championship, their first time ever winning the SEC HC, and in their 10th year to boot. And the number 17 Auburn 
uh, their first ever number seven seed to win in the semifinals. They upset the South Carolina Gamecocks for the second year in a row. Last year they did that as a six seed over a three seed. So a lot of fun this weekend. Big crowds came out, people coming to support the alma mater and fans just to college hockey in general. And, I mean, thank you uh, for coming out as well to experience it. Just glad you guys got to enjoy a little bit of it and see what it, what it's all about. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, ha- I had fun doing stats one of the days. But, uh, you know, we had some questions for you, uh, some hockey, some college hockey, some non-hockey stuff. I wanted, you know, I played a club sport in college. I played rugby at MTSU, and it's a lot of fun. But one of the biggest issues is kind of working with the school, getting recognized. So have you run into that a lot with college hockey and these teams, you know, trying to get more recognition from the school itself, getting some funding, uh, places to practice? Yeah, that is one of the things, the challenges that we always face is um, funding mostly and then licensing when it comes to school logos, things like that. Uh, Every school is a little different. So some schools obviously give a little bit more support than others. Uh, Some schools may get a few thousand dollars from their club sports. Other ones may get a few hundred dollars. So fundraising is a really big issue that a lot of these schools have to face. A lot lot of the big challenges come with that. Uh, For instance, the University of Georgia, they have a 501 foundation that helps them out a lot. They don't get as much monetary support from the school, but they do get support in other ways, like through publicity and everything. And then a lot of these schools also face the challenge of, not have any rink in the town that, that they are in. Oh, wow. So some schools will travel 45 minutes to an hour and a half just to practice or to play their games. Uh, for instance, Florida, they're in Gainesville. Uh, they are usually going to Jacksonville or Orlando or Tampa even. Uh, sometimes uh, Auburn has to play their games in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, Florida State, doesn't. there's no rink in Tallahassee, so their home rink is actually Columbus, Georgia. Uh, so that's a little far away. So it's really lucky for Vanderbilt and MTSU to be so close to these rinks here. And just yeah, and I mean, originally I thought MTSU had it rough having to go up to Antioch or Bellevue, but it sounds <laughs> like they have it pretty easy. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, after after watching some hockey this weekend at that tournament, it, you really couldn't tell if that these guys are, you know, they, they play they play good hockey. They, that was I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by that. Uh, so uh, one another thing we wanted to ask you uh, regarding the SCCHC was how did you get involved with that? What is what was the the process you started to to get this together? Yeah, so back in the lockout, so back in 2012, we were just looking for things to do with Penalty Box Radio and we see that Vanderbilt had a club hockey team. Mm-hmm. Like, so you know what? We should get in touch with Vanderbilt and see, you know, if they have any coverage and they didn't have any coverage. They'd play their games at Centennial Sportsplex or a game Sportsplex and down in Frank when it existed. And a lot of the times in terms of Friday night games, they'd start at 1030 at night. And so you're not getting out of there until way past midnight or they'd be on Saturday or Sunday morning at maybe 9 a.m. Uh, so it was one of those things that we, we just wanted to get involved. So we, myself and, and Pat Fuquay started doing some of these games and doing play-by-play and color commentary in the games and just having fun with it and getting involved gave us some hockey to go see because there wasn't Fred. The Preds weren't playing, right. so there wasn't anything to do, really. So we just started venturing out to see what other types of hockey there was in the area and in the South, and so we started doing that. And so getting more involved with Vanderbilt, I started doing PA with Vanderbilt a little bit. MTSU was starting to get their, pro- their ice program back on track. Uh, and so from there, I just started realizing, hey, there's more opportunity here to grow college hockey in the South. And so I joined up with the league to be the director of communications. And then um, last year, or sorry, now it's in 2018, uh, I became commissioner. Awesome. So one thing we're going to ask all the guests on our show, you know, is to dig a little bit deeper into the fans of hockey. What, what would you say is your earliest hockey memory and what really got you into the sport? I mean, what got me into the sport more was when I moved down to Tennessee from Michigan. I'm a General Motors baby. Okay, so my dad okay. worked, for the, worked at the Saturn plant. And so brought us down here. It was uh, I started following the Red Wings just because that was my connection back to home and family was the Red Wings. And they, the Predators didn't even exist uh, at that time. So it was the early 90s. And so following it more, watching it on TV when I could, especially the national broadcast during the playoffs and then just newspaper clippings before the internet right. was a big thing. When you had to, de- when you had to really <laughs> so love the sport, you didn't, you didn't just pull exactly, it up on your exactly. app. <laughs> yeah. And then the Predators came along and was like, oh, I want to go see the Red Wings play. And so we were able to go see the Red Wings in the, in the first season and they played the Predators. And that's obviously when there were plenty of Northerners still down here where you had like a 50-50 split between Red Wings and Predators fans in the arena. It's obviously changed a lot. Right, right. But that's really my earliest memories was going to those games and then even the playoff games 
uh, in the early 2000s wearing a Red Wing shirt and a Predator's hat or vice versa <laughs> being a Red Wing. I was one of those people because it was hard. It was, it was hard to kind of switch that role uh, when you're a kid, especially. Right. Because you grew up knowing these guys and following Steve Eiserman and Brendan Shanahan and Sergey Fedorov and Igor Larionov and Nick Lidstrom. I just grew up watching those. So when the new blood came in, it made it a lot easier to switch uh, fandoms. Uh, but back then, it was still that was my earliest hockey memory was there because I really didn't grow up with having my family didn't really follow sports much. My dad wasn't into it much. Um, grandparents weren't into it as much. Not, not really uncle. So it was like an all me thing. It was a me thing to really get involved in sports and to really fall in love with it. So that's pretty much what I remember is just back in the, the mid nineties is following up in terms of playoffs and remembering the Red Wings and Avalanche play their, their oh, bloodthirsty yeah. games against each other and seeing the highlights of those whenever I could. So that's, that's really what got me into it. Awesome. So we want to talk a little bit about the history of Penalty Box Radio. How, how did that get started? How did you decide to you know, start this, what's turned into a major Nashville uh, media conglomerate? So back, it was right before the lockout happened, uh, myself and Ben Butzbach, we were on a podcast with another outlet before. And we started going and we made some connections and we were able to get a connection with 1025 The Game. Uh, the ESPN affiliate for radio here in Nashville. And we were able to be given a time slot to where they would re-air our podcast, which was on blog talk radio of all things, <laughs> that platform. And they would re-air it at midnight. We're like, this is cool. We get to record in the studio and they're going to air it at midnight. <laughs> Third shift people are going to love this. And when it started getting closer to the season and realizing, oh no, there's going to be a lockout. We're like, how are we going to have a radio show about hockey? <laughs> Hockey's not being played. Uh, so, but that was actually a blessing in disguise for us because of what penalty boxer has grown into today that back then we'd start our show with like the law and order theme and give a rundown of the lockout of it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't necessarily much. So like with the whole Vanderbilt thing and the SCCHC hockey thing, we went and started finding other hockey to do. And so we went down to Huntsville, the UAH, the division one NCAA team and started going to those games a lot. Uh, we went over to Knoxville Ice Bears and then went to one of their games. We, we started talking more about the Admirals, what was going on there. And we went on a road trip to the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League up in Canada and Michigan, and went and watched five junior hockey games in four days and reported on those and talked to some prospects. I mean, one of those, I remember being Alex Galchenyuk, that we talked to him right before he signed his deal with the Canadiens at the time and played in the World Juniors for USA. So it was kind of neat to see some of these guys uh, before they became stars. And so finally, luckily, the lockout ended at the start of the new year and we were able to get going and talking nhl but that's how we started we were forced to talk about different types of hockey which forced us to realize there's more than just the nhl out there and that's what made us love the sport even more was that we realized there's so much more when it comes to junior college semi-pro all these different kinds of things of people that just love the sport yeah that's um I mean, we, we obviously are very appreciative of, of how, how it's grown and, and two, guys, two guys like us can, can come in here and, and talk hockey in, in Nashville, Tennessee, which like you said, that's, that was, this is not a, a hockey, hockey town originally. So, um, so we're not going to let you get out of here with, with get a sneaking in a, a, a quick Preds question, but with, with Hines coming in. Do you think that's that that maybe his coaching style, how he uh, approaches the the locker room? Do you think he could be at least partially responsible for uh, for Granlin turning around? I mean, I think just in terms of the way that the system operates, it gives um, Mikael Granlund an opportunity to be a little more freewheeling with his style of play, and that's kind of what we've seen so far. Is that he's out there working hard. He's been a workhorse. And he's doing absolutely everything he possibly can that we've seen him try to do before, but it seems like he's getting rewarded with more minutes on the ice. He's averaging over two more minutes than he was under Peter Laviolette. He is battling in front of the net. He is scoring more goals, obviously, but it seems like he feels more comfortable in whatever system it is that John Hans is really trying to push through because you're seeing little bits and pieces of that system go out there. So I think that's what it is, is the comfort level that he just looks comfortable and playing his game right now. And it, he never really looked like that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can, we, he, him coming in from so. Minnesota, you know, um, that was, we were, we were very excited with what he was going to be able to bring energy wise, loving Arvidsson and Grimaldi here. So it kind of felt like he was going to be a, a, a little bit of that, that workhorse. So it's good to see him, him turn it around. So we have a couple questions outside of hockey. 
what's your favorite Star Wars movie? What do you like? You know, we like Star Wars. We want to see what. I mean, it's it's hard to go against Empire Strikes Back. That is yeah. Yeah. the best out of out of the series. Agreed. You <laughs> agree? <laughs> That's my number two. <laughs> I mean, just because of the music in it as well. Uh, the, the music, the, the theming of it, one of the best sequels ever, just because you start seeing all these things, the, the twist that we have in there right. too, especially just thinking about even before, it was before when I was born, but when that came out, the twist, that huge, huge twist. So, I mean, the way it ends as well, because you know they have to finish it up, the introduction of of, um, of, of new characters too. So it's I, I love that as a movie. There's obviously other ones that I do love as well, but Empire Strikes Back, it's just none of them compared to it. Hey, awesome. If we, uh, luckily, me and Bobby don't have any points on this one because <laughs> I would have won again. <laughs> well, all right. So as many people know, we are wrapping up today in today's episode, our Star Wars discussion, and moving on uh, next week into Marvel. Now, a lot of people know that you're quite the Marvel fan. Uh, how many times did, did uh, overall do you think you saw Infinity War and Endgame in theaters? Infinity War, I think it was five or six times, <laughs> and Endgame, I think it was uh, 11. Oh, wow. So <laughs> next week, we'll, we'll be ranking our favorite Marvel movies. What would you say is your top three out of, out of the Infinity Saga? Oh gosh, that's so hard. I'll, I'll do top three, but in terms like there's not a like, one, two, three. There's just my three favorites. Yeah, okay. perfect. So, like <laughs> Civil War is definitely up there. Okay, I mean it's just totally up there. Uh, Infinity War is up there as well, just because of the way that I, that that was laid out. Just absolutely enjoyed that. And then it's hard to to not put um, the original Avengers. Yeah, in that's the right one. The Battle of New York um, is amazing. I still. Love that scene. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm actually playing a little catch up, Justin. You know, I I, I got into the Marvels about through uh, Avengers one, and so now I've okay. I've got the whole series that I'm having to go back and watch. Thank goodness for Disney Plus, though. I'm, I'm able to <laughs> able to catch up. So I haven't seen any of these three, so I'm looking yeah. forward to to watching all of them. Now, a quick question: I notice it's not in your top three. What were your opinions on Thor Ragnarok? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I love how they went they went a different direction because there's sort of wondering what more can they do with Thor, and then Taika Waititi gets in there, uh, and he changes it up, adds a little more humor to it because, I mean, as a character, finding the arc of that character, what he's going to be, uh, is very, very important, and to cover that as well leading into uh, Infinity War, too. It was just it was fun. But they, they made it fun. They made it kooky, but they still had their point, and it also introduced us with, with Hulk being a little more aware of what he is and who he is and having actual conversations and dialogue too, and kind of get planet Hulk in there a little bit throws that into the, the spectrum too. And it's, it was just a neat way to do it. And then um, that just led into so many different things, but also taking some good, I want to say modern music, but some good classic oh, rock yeah. and throwing that in there as well to make it a lot more fun. So I like how they had fun with it. It's more self-aware, I think, too, with what you what more can you do with like the God of Thunder. Right, right. <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the so day, how much cooler too, can like, you make him? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the right. day, these right. movies so are supposed to put a smile fun. on our face and, you know, be fun. And I like that, that one right. wasn't as serious before they started getting to the exactly. real serious stuff with Infinity War and Endgame. Absolutely. And then you think that the way they end Thor Ragnarok is all of a sudden leading right into Infinity War with like, oh crap and just boom right yeah, into it. Yeah, it's the fun's <laughs> over now. It's time to get to the end of the world stuff. But Exactly. <laughs> well, before we leave, uh the Preds to play tonight. Uh if when this comes out they would have played the, you know, a couple nights ago. But with the trade deadline on the way, it's a, just about two weeks away now. How many points uh, before the trade deadline do you think the Preds need to get to become buyers? And what do you think that they're going to do? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, uh, so the way I'm seeing it, if they win, if for instance this is on a Monday night, if they're able to get out of that road trip with six out of eight points, it's a successful road trip, a hugely yeah, yeah, successful definitely. road trip given the teams that they're playing against. If they lose, then that's just four out of eight per se. They get one more point, you get five out of eight. I still think it's successful. So what I think they need to be in terms of positioning is just be no more than, say, four or five points out of playoff position to still think that, hey, we can make a run. I think that's the point right here because they still have those games in hand, which are slowly trying to catch up. But when those games in hand, it's still really difficult to tell exactly where they are. Right. Because they might have two or three games in hand on teams above them. And you think, well, if they got four out of six points in those games in hand, then they would be in a perfect spot. 
And so it's hard to gauge that. So thank you. Sure. It's around four to five ish out and they still look at the remaining schedule, which is very difficult for them. They can still make that run. They can still do that to where they just get in. Obviously you want to be in a more comfortable position. And by the trade deadline, they're in a wild card one or two. Then you can look at maybe buying a little bit or switching over a little bit to just qualify that third pairing a little bit. Um, make sure you're adding maybe a little bit of muscle that can contribute on those bottom lines but still have the same sort of speed element to it, or maybe give Yakov Tran a little bit more, Colin Blackwell a little bit more. Uh, it's looking like that Watson and Yarkov are going to slot back in. So I think there's some options out there too. I don't think they're sellers right now. I don't think they're buyers right now. It might just be a, let's see what happens. Right. Or you might see Mikhail Glenland be there on the trading block, or even a Craig Smith who I know wants to stay in Nashville. Yeah but maybe there's something out, out there for them as well. So they're in a unique position with a few games left before the trade deadline that it really does matter how they perform these next two weeks to see how this team's going to shape up for the future. Yeah, and uh, not to be overdramatic, I think this coming up weekend against <laughs> St. Louis, that's a, one oh, yeah. of the most important weekends of this season. I think we need it, to get out yeah. of that weekend with at least three points. You know, if we want, Very yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good team that they're they're struggling right now. So hopefully we can capitalize on that. But yeah, so it was great to have you on once again. Once again, we're on the phone with Justin Bradford, host and editor chief of Penalty Box Radio and commissioner of the SECHC. Justin's been great having you, and we hope to talk to you again. Hey, appreciate it, Justin. Yeah, yeah thanks, boys. Keep up the good work. All right, thanks. We're back here in the studio. I hope uh, he comes back and joins us again. Yeah, learned learned a lot. Maybe he'll, hopefully he'll feel the same, Bobby. <laughs> you know, hopefully the feeling is mutual. Yeah. So it is now time to move on to this week's game of the weeks. And last week you got eight points, and I got a amazing negative one point. Did, didn't even know it was possible, Bobby. You didn't <laughs> hit anything, man. I, and I felt really bad after the first night when I missed the. I missed my. I almost went eight, uh, ten for ten, but I missed the Columbus game pick last week. And and Florida wins, of course, and so I immediately go into this tailspin of I'm going to lose all of these games, and then I end up beating you eight to negative one. So, so I guess that means I get to go ahead and give my first game pick this week. Yeah, and I'll shame you from this side of the the mic. First game I have is this Thursday. I actually have three Thursday games, so I guess my games of the week that you can't <laughs> miss. You either have to watch them split screen or or you'll have to record them and, and watch them later. But the first game that I have is the Oilers Lightning and I had and that's Thursday the 13th. I have the Oilers winning that one, Bobby. Surprisingly enough, I always find a way to get a Lightning game in 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 my picks and I generally pick the Lightning. So this time I'm going to go with the Oilers over the Lightning. All right, on Thursday. So, well, worst of luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> you need it, bud. Yeah. You need it. <laughs> um, my first game is going to be the St. Louis Blues versus the Golden Knights. Blues are not playing well. I believe they've dropped four out of their last five. Golden Knights are playing pretty well. They're you know they're fighting for. Uh, you hate to see it. Yeah, you hate to see it. But uh, I'm gonna take the Golden Knights in that game. It'd actually be better for us if the Blues win. But yeah, but it's not better about for what's the best press. for us. It's yeah, what I think sure. So, yeah, sure. Well, maybe you should start <laughs> start guessing with your heart, man. Okay, so my second game that I have, I got the Stars Maple Leafs. I and that's also Thursday, the thirteenth. So. Again, pick and choose out of my games in the week of what to watch. But I have the Maple Leafs beating the Stars, and that will actually be helpful to the Preds as well. So let's hope that happens. All right. So now for my next game, another Blues. This one, uh, it's unfortunate. I got the Preds versus the Blues on Saturday. It's a 2 p.m. matinee game. I think the Blues are going to win. Now my hope is that they at least win in overtime. You're gonna do. You're doing what I did last week, yeah. And then you're you're picking the other team, and then if you're wrong, you're actually happy about yeah. being wrong. <laughs> so you know, I I took two of my points last week begrudgingly. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the Preds, uh, you know, get three points out of that weekend. You know, if they, they get the losers' point away, and then we've got to start playing better at home. So hopefully they get we the really two do. Point, yeah. Hopefully they get the two points on that Sunday, and I'll be there, and I'll maybe in the crowd, and hopefully you know it's a good weekend. Okay, so for my third game, I have the Capitals and the Avalanche, and I'm doubling down on the Caps. We're going to be on OV watch, so see if, you know, because now I've got, a, I've got a little skin in the game hoping he doesn't win the Rocket Richard. I'm, I'm going to double down on the Capitals winning. That'll be helpful to us, uh, them beating the Avs, although they're looking, they're looking stout lately, so I won't be surprised if I lose this double down. What do you got for game number three, man? So I've got 
Another Central Division team. I've got Chicago versus Calgary, and that's on another Saturday game. And I've got the Flames winning that game. And, you know, I think that the Blackhawks are struggling right now. The Flames are getting almost into desperation mode. And uh, that's going to be my double down game. Double down and on the Flames. See, yeah, that'll, that's both Both are hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, bringing up my last game of the week, I have the Bruins-Rangers. Obviously, the Rangers are not lighting up the scoreboards as of late, but it's Bruins-Rangers. It's on NBC uh, Sunday the 16th. So, that'll be a fun game to watch again. No football. Well, I guess we got the XFL now, so maybe yeah. maybe a little tune into that. But Bruins Rangers should definitely be a, be a yeah. good game. What do you got for your last game of the week? All right, try to uh, score some points this week, Bobby. I hope you f- picked a layup. <laughs> well, I've got the Oilers versus the Hurricanes, and that's a Sunday game. And on that, I've got the Hurricanes winning that one. I think it's going to be a good game. Hopefully, we'll get to see a storm surge, and uh, I get some points this week. You're going to need it, man, because I'm I'm obliterating you. All right, so time to move outside the NHL, and it's a brand new segment here. And soon we'll have some music, some drops, but for now, we've just got Mr. Brandon Bond's College Corner. Take us away. All right, so obviously we're not going to have this every single week, uh, at least at least not while hockey season's happening. But the college football recruiting numbers came out, and so I definitely wanted to – just kind of go over it and see, you know, see who we had. I pulled up the recruiting numbers from uh, 24-7 Sports. So it has Georgia up top, Alabama at number two. Surprise, surprise that those two teams are ranked so high in recruiting as they have been <laughs> the for, for what seems like an eternity, uh, especially as an Auburn fan. Uh, number three, you have Clemson. Again, no surprise. Dabo Sweeney. Pulls in, folks. I mean, Clemson's a pretty desirable place to play. Number four, you have LSU. Go Tigers. Uh, I mean, I don't – I think that people signed with LSU just to get Coach O to stop calling their house because nobody <laughs> – they're like, who is this guy? Look, I'm just going to go to LSU, Dad. That's that's it. Okay, so at number five, uh, Ohio State. Number six, we have Texas A&M. Number seven, we have Auburn, War Eagle. Number eight, Florida. Number nine, Texas. To round out number 10, we have Tennessee. So let me ask you, Bobby, bias aside, you think that the Vols are going to be able to take their the top 10, that 10 recruiting class, number 10 recruiting class, and do anything with it in terms of, you know, maybe competing for the East? Uh, competing for the East? Uh, no. Do I think they'll make a bowl game? Yes. I think that there was a lot of issues. Now, let me clarify. I'm not an SEC guy. I'm one of those guys. I don't think the SEC is the best conference in football anymore like it was five years ago. Seven of ten recruiting classes say yeah, that you're Yeah, no, wrong. listen, it, it has the allure. But I think, you know, I, I'm a Big Ten guy. So, But either way, I mean, I respect the SEC. I understand it's dominant. Big Ten football's garbage, Bobby. <laughs> hey. Come at us for lacrosse and <laughs> baseball. <laughs> you big, big lacrosse guy. I forgot. I forgot about your deep lacrosse ties. I played a little bit when I was a kid, but no. Uh, to get back to the point, um, yeah, no. I think I think Tennessee's gonna pretty much stay stagnant. Overall, I don't think that they uh, have the gumption to compete for the East. You know, luckily, luckily they're in the East because if they were playing in the West, I they would they they wouldn't compete. The at West all. cannibalizes one another. Yeah, you know, it's one of those rare years where. I think the best team got out of the the West this year. Yeah. I think there was no question about like, LSU. Being now the I'm best. not like I said I'm not SEC guy. You are, so maybe there's a reason why they don't. But honestly, I think that they should get rid of the East West, just have the SEC, and just have you know they have, they have that one big conference. They have that in basketball. Yeah, you're 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 you're. I think you're barking up the wrong tree here, Bobby, because <laughs> we're talking about uh, folks that look. I'm and I'm even one of those SEC traditionalists where whenever. Gene Chiswick kind of changed the Auburn jerseys and stuff. You know, fans don't like it. I don't like it. So it's 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 interesting because you lose some of those specific rivalries. Basically, yeah. the way it is in football now is you have you play everybody on your side of the conference, and then you have one constant on the other side of the conference every single year, and you play two or three other teams on the other side of the conference. So you don't play everybody on the other side. 
But, for example, Auburn's game every single year is Georgia. It's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. So when you start you start pulling specific games like that into question, oh, yeah. are we no, going to have Obviously, an I, I would never say year? get rid of those big rivalries. I, I think that's what you said in the hot take that you just had, Bobby. You no, said listen, get rid of rivalry games. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, we, let's not get too far in that. We'll, we'll have a show dedicated more to some college football during the hockey offseason. Definitely. And we'll debate the playoff numbers, how many teams. Let's move on from that. And talk about early retirement in the NFL. Something, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Luke Keekley, an all-star, a Pro Bowl linebacker. Well, yeah, not his time at real young. All NFL kind of guy, too. Not just a Pro Bowl because he's, he's popular. I mean, yeah. retired at 28, I think it was, Bobby. And so yep. that's this is starting to be almost more of a trend that you're yeah. seeing. You had, a guy, had guys like Barry Sanders do it. Now, that was a while ago. But then Calvin Johnson did it. Now, and at first you thought maybe it's just Detroit. <laughs> they just, just like look i can't go play football anywhere else now so but yeah it's happening and it you know it it sucks to for the nfl to lose a guy like luke keekley but from with what we've heard and what, with what we know now about head injuries and the overtime how much worse it gets after each head injury you have i could i can understand it i mean you tell me it 28 years old i think he's made upwards of 50 60 70 million dollars you tell me that for a five to a five to eight year time period of my life i can go play football and then never have to work again there's more of there's more appeal to that i think with with what we know about football now it's about that time Joke of the week. Joke of the week. I don't even have an article, man. This is just something that 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 uh, we saw online. Yeah, and everyone knows if it's online, it's, it's true. true. It's true. It's a fact. Look, guys, it's a fact. But the thing is, I'm almost hoping that it's not true, Bobby, because what we have here was the this Ukrainian textbook that had a picture, uh, an old school picture. I'm sure many of you listening will know what I'm talking about. The lunch atop the sky skyscraper where all of those workers are sitting on that beam over the city and eating their lunch. You know, no straps, nothing. There was no TOSHA. There was no OSHA. You know, there's no safety laws. It's, you know, get this thing done. Eat your lunch on that beam. You can't be sitting in here on the inside. Well, they have put a a picture in their book, that picture, except for it's the meme version uh, where Keanu Reeves is replaced one of the guys on the end. And so he's sitting on the end in this textbook and they printed a bunch of them. And now what a joke, right? What in the world? Why would you, who pulled that up? Who pulled that photo up? There has to be a, a better way. There had to be more vetting of the picture. Although it accurately depicts how, America is these days. Keanu Reeves is everywhere, yeah. and I love it. So I like to think that that picture is actually the real version, and he's actually like a vampire. He, and he was in that picture. Nothing would make me happier. And they had to cover it up. There would actually be a vampire, so they put in some random worker guy. In that his place. that would nothing would make me happier. You know, they're making a a Bill and Ted's too. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Is it two or, or not, three? No, it's like six. I don't know. Yeah, they were making a new Bill. A and new Ted's. Bill and Ted. Yeah, that's what we should have said. All right, so we are pushing into our final Star Wars discussion. So we didn't really, we kind of had an idea a little bit about what we wanted to talk about. But no rankings this, this week. We may talk about some of our favorite stuff. But something I wanted to talk about was lightsaber forms. And basically what that is is the different the different lightsaber fighting styles that... Uh, that a character or Jedi or Sith force wielder can use. Yeah. So there are seven uh, lightsaber forms and we're just going to do a quick list and kind of give you our opinions on it. Yeah. So the first one is the simplest one. Shicho. Uh, it's the oldest and simplest uh, wide sweeping movements. It, it was, uh, it was originally used for fighting large scale. Yes, wars. Cause com- originally, you know, style. there was Thousands of Sith and thousands of Jedi would be battlefields, uh, but one of the masters that we see is Mister Kit Fisto, one of my personal favorite Jedi's. Kit Fisto was awesome. Now Not- he met a he met a, a horrendous demise. But that's what happens when you use Shicho against one ga- one Dark Lord. Exactly. So f- form number two is Makashi, and it's more of a finesse form. It's created to 
rectify the weaknesses of Form 1, the wide-sweeping movements. Um, it is purely for dueling opponents, really not not a war style. It was more of the later style. And somebody that, that mastered, mastered this and, and used it quite a bit was Count Dooku, or Darth Tyrannus. He is one of the best duelers in the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then moving on to Form 3, Surisu, which I might be pronouncing that wrong. Uh, it's known as the defense form, and it's known as to be unbeatable when mastered. And we see that. Uh, you know, it, it's very one-dimensional, hence why there's not a lot of people who learn it. But the master in that we see is Obi-Wan Kenobi, which, for, and spoiler alert for any of you that know, he was, he was only beaten because he wanted to be beaten. If he could have kept that form, he would never have been beaten one-on-one because he had he was one of the few masters of that defensive form. Definitely switched to the the Shichu yeah. earlier in his life, the Form 1 combat. So, Obi-Wan, yeah, so Form 3 is offensively defensive, right? Like you you defend up into the point that you need to cut yeah. off Grievous's hand type of yeah. type of stuff. Or cut Maul in half. It's why he can it's why he was able to throughout the Clone Wars, battle two and three opponents at a time yeah. because that, that style is, is so conducive to that. So num- uh, so form four is Ataru, and it's the acrobatic form, fast, intensive, and very draining. You One of have my favorite to, be, to watch. Yes. Uh, you, have to be, you have to be very... Nimble. Very nimble, very strong in the force because it is so... Yeah, draining. Reliant, reliant of the Force. Uh, obviously, we all know who mastered Form 4. That would be Yoda. Yeah, so Yoda, Master has a, Yoda. That's, that's a little thought process of who, who would use that. Now, there's a couple others that will, but not many. Yeah. Not many, Bob. Now, moving into Form 5, which is my personal favorite, is Gemso. It's the power form. The most balanced form focused on power based strikes and then you, you quickly once you get them off the balance you uh you know and, and you and that you parry you go in was, for the kill i was gonna say yeah a lot of parry a lot of a lot of waiting for you to come yeah. at me and then me overpowering yeah you. and we see the master of this is anakin skywalker so you know we see you know he he's, plays, chosen one. he's somebody else as well right uh maybe we'll get into that <laughs> all right so moving in to number six uh, Neiman, and again, we could absolutely be referring to these incorrectly with their name, but they're normally Neiman. Co- <laughs> yeah, see, the Maybe. the most of the, of the time they're referred to by their their numbers. So form six, it's the balanced form. It combines the principles of all previous forms in an effort to make a perfect a perfect form. So. Uh, so somebody you see that's a master of this is Darth Maul. Yeah. Yeah. So form number seven, uh, one of the most powerful forms, and it's actually called two different things depending if you're a dark user or light user of the Force. It's known as the Wild Form, and in its Yuyo for- variant, which is exclusively used by the Sith, the user they draw on the feelings of hate, love, and fear and anger of themselves. The and so the other half of that is going to be the Vapid fighting style and so this is a relatively new form on the light side of the of the force mace windu actually developed this style and it is why he was able to arguably whether or not sidious wanted him to defeat sidious because again it goes it plays into the emotions so when sidious so when sidious becomes angry during the fight with mace windu mace windu gets nothing but stronger through yeah. that anger, because he he channels that that specific style, and it's one of the more force reliant forms, because you are yes. you are connected to the force the whole time using that form. It was Samuel L. Jackson developed it. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and some of the masters we see with this is Darth Sidious. Darth Maul is actually also a master of this, um, and Mace Windu, and Darth Maul is. Uh, are we was- are we are we doing him a disservice by calling him Darth Maul when everybody knows he's now Maul? As he likes to be called, he dropped the Darth. He fell out of favor of the Sith and was just a force wheel. So just Maul. Just Maul. <laughs> All right. And we've got some quick notes, you know, outside of just the forms. Uh, most And most of the skilled characters are masters of multiple forms. Uh, and, you know, Anakin uses, 
the hybrid form of Gemso and Ataru, but he specializes mainly in Gemso. Whereas Darth Vader, you know, he might have relation to Anakin Skywalker. He, that, <laughs> I, have you ever seen him in the same room at the same time, <laughs> no. Bobby? No. But he I is haven't. a master of Makashi, Sin, uh, Sincho, Sarusu, Gemso, and Juyo. So when Darth Vader, you know, gained a new master who was actually a good master, he was able to learn so many more forms because he was able to get away from the propaganda of the Jedi and was able to use his emotions. And there's actually it's not less a form and more style, which is the practice of Jar Kai, which is a which isn't a form, but is uh, the dual blade technique uh, that can be modified to any a form really, and that's very hard to learn. And we see that with Ahsoka Tano. Uh, Saj Ventress as yeah. well. She uh, she utilizes the the. Yeah, it is something you don't see a lot, and mostly because, especially on the the light side, they go to the temple or specific cave and get their kyber crystal, and usually that's the the only one they get up until unless they break or something along those lines. Um, so we also wanted to talk about. All right, so where do you lay in the world of for me? It's Jedi easy. versus Sith versus. It's- 100% Sith. And here's why. The Skywalker saga and even the other films, the outsider films, are one big propaganda piece for the Jedi when you look at it. They are showing it from that point of view. And the fact is if that when you watch it, it's it's very tyrannical. You know, they want to suppress free will. They work outside the government. They work outside laws. They base Windows is willing to execute a duly elected uh, counselor without taking to the Senate. You know, and you know, yes, such a bad call, right? He was such a good guy. Now, now let me be very clear. <laughs> there is a separation between the Sith and the Empire. Darth Sidious was while he was a Sith did not truly live up to the meaning of the Sith. You know, Darth, no, he had multiple apprentices. Yes, he, at you know, time. Darth. You know, when I think of the ultimate Sith, I think of my favorite character in, in all of Star Wars, which is Darth Bane. Darth Bane never wanted galactic. You know, one of wanted a galactic empire and rule everything. He wanted to live forever. He wanted to bring <laughs> the Sith back. No big a, deal. He wanted the Sith to be brought back to power, and but he wanted it done not by a massive army that rules the galaxy. He wanted it done through himself and an apprentice and for the rule of two to be brought down through the generations. You know, Basically, Sith, he just wanted to like roll around and do whatever he wanted to do. The Sith's main purpose is to increase free will. And the Jedi insistent and the Jedi are always insistent on suppressing emotion. You you always hear that that the Sith are champions of the First Amendment. <laughs> you know, and, and let's be honest here. The Jedi, you know, it, it, the lore is weird. To be a Jedi, you have to have a high midi-chlorian count. To be a Sith, not so much. You can connect to the dark side of the Force without having a high midi-chlorian count. So the Jedi, it's not like something where anybody, if you try hard enough, can be it. You have to be born into it, just like if you're a Bush or a Clinton. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and sometimes you get a better end of the stick than others, huh, Bob? Um, okay, so where I really land in the whole or- ordeal is where I land in most things. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm what I like to consider myself as a gray Jedi. For those of you that don't know, way to not answer the question. <laughs> uh, I'm playing. The, I'm playing the middle, so that way I always come out on top, Bobby. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, no. You know that grave Jedi is a yeah. faction, yes, and it yeah. is. A, it's what essentially what Ahsoka came to be after she was set up and accused of murder. She, a gray Jedi is a force wielder that doesn't look at the the world in this black and white do or do not you can't you know you, you know there is no try like what you what do you mean yoda of course yeah. there's try that's how i do things like i can't just do it which by so, the way that sounds a lot like an absolute it is an absolute me. and only the sith deals an absolute so i absolutely agree with you where yeah, the Jedi there are super was hypocritical. there was yes but so are the sith yeah yeah you know see so that's where i always landed in the middle like a qui-gon jinn and realistically, Count Dooku, before he decided yeah. he wanted power, they were more of gray Jedis where, I mean, you hear Liam Neeson, Qui-Gon Jinn in the first movie, and he doesn't deal with things quite like Yoda yeah. deals with things. He there, there obviously can be multiple outcomes to a situation. Yoda, you know, we haven't all been, been here for 900 years, yeah. <laughs> you know. The Jedi become very cult-like and very set in their ways. Like, just imagine that... 
your leader, your boss doesn't die for 900 years you know that guy's not implementing change he's like back in my day yeah. <laughs> he's like dude i'm 45 okay like you're 900 <laughs> and actually i actually found this out about two weeks ago you know a lot of people including me and you know, i'm a big star wars fan thought that yoda's the way he speaks is his species well, apparently it's become canon that his speech style used to be galactic normal language. Almost a thousand years yeah. ago. And then as and as he you know, as the galaxy got older, they changed to a more style that we here in the regular world speak, but he kept his dialect and his speech style from so eight hundred four six hundred so years ago. So you're telling me baby Yoda's gonna sound like Pedro Pascal? <laughs> <laughs> It's canon. You told me. Uh, you th- yeah, well, I really hope that they ended up getting Gilbert Godfrey to play uh, Baby Yoda. <laughs> Hello! Do or do not! <laughs> Wait, I, we don't say that! <laughs> that sounds like the PE coach from uh, Big Mouth. That's Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> uh, you can call me Coach Steve. <laughs> Hey, it's baby Yoda, Coach Steve. <laughs> I'm not to brag, but <laughs> I sound like old Yoda. Anybody who hasn't watched that show is turning this off right now. They're turning it off. <laughs> Big Mouth is a great show. Yeah, go watch that. All right, so that brings us to a conclusion of our four-part Star Wars discussion. Star Wars is never concluded, Bobby. <laughs> it's ongoing. We will be returning, you know, uh, when season two of The Mandalorian comes out in October of this year. We'll be talking about it again. Uh, they just announced Project Luminous, which no info about yet, but we will be, we'll obviously keep you up to date on that. We'll keep you enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so starting next week, we're going to start our discussion of Marvel. I'm actually having to catch up, Bobby. Yeah, and because I finished up uh, as we talked when we talked with Justin, I mentioned I finished up the uh, around the Avengers series. So I had Iron Man. I had Iron Man two finished. Uh, the first Avenger. I had the original Thor and uh, and the original Avengers. That was a, uh, was such an awesome movie, and then it just became too much in my life to keep yeah. up with. There were so many movies, I didn't know what what order they were in. So now that it's finished, I've actually been doing my doing my part and catching up and watching the the Marvel movies. Yeah. So. And just uh, I was over here the other day when you watched Iron Man three. I quickly fell asleep. Actually, that, I, I, that's one of the movies I. That's one of the worst. Weaker, movies weaker movie for sure. Yeah, I didn't like we, a lot of it. Just watch the whole PTSD thing was just boring to watch, and it just. It was a slow. I know, man. Like, it's not. Look, this man should be seeing a therapist every day. You yeah. know, that would mean. I he mean, should have been seeing a therapist before he was Iron Man. He, exactly. Tony Stark had some issues. Before he he's had got a some chest. massive daddy issues that he's got to deal with. Before he had, like, a chest piece. Yeah. He should have thought about spending a little bit of that money just talking to somebody. Hey, yeah. you're having problems out there. No big deal. Talk to somebody. It's, it, you know, somebody other you. than Bruce Banner. Yeah. Bruce <laughs> Banner, he doesn't really know what's going on. So. <laughs> He's got uh, his own issues. Again, I'm not a super loyalist to to the franchise and stuff as well. So now let's segue into what are you binging? What show are you binging right now? I'm actually binging, and I've been told that I can't believe that I've never watched it. Friday Night Lights, the TV show. It's pretty, Solid. you know. It's you know, it's a it's a good show. You don't have to pay a lot of attention to it. It's pretty predictable for what it yeah. is for sure. But it's bad uh, towards but the it, end though. I know I'm getting there, and I'm definitely that guy that I'll just cut it off, man. Like when you know, Walking Dead. I think it was what season five or whatever started. I just I I cut Walking Dead off right. I think when they left the jail is when I stopped. I watched. Got boring. I you know I I tried to give it give it another an extra season past that, but I just couldn't, man. And it's so disappointing because season one and season two of that show is some of the best television that I think I've ever seen. Yeah. So it sucked to give it up, and I still got some coworkers that talk about it and stuff. But I just I bailed out. I think it is, man. I don't know. I again, wow. I gave it up a long time yeah. ago. Uh, what about you? What are you? I started the CBS show Picard. How is that? It, I, and I've never. Oh, I should highlight that by saying, as big of a nerd as I am when it comes to this stuff, I've never been a Star Trek guy. So let me be honest. I love Star Trek. Maybe not as much as Star Wars, but I'm definitely a Trekkie. The only reason I am still watching it is because I know where it can go and I know what Patrick Stewart can do. Uh, I am caught up on all at the end of episode three and it is, I see that it's going to get good because they're just now getting into space. 
And honestly, it hasn't been great, but it has potential. So I'm excited to see where it can go. I hope they bring back some familiar faces. But it's not as, so far, it's not as, you know, group of friends out on an adventure, a fun show like The Next Generation was. It's definitely trying to be more serious, which is one of the reasons why I kind of stopped watching Star Trek Discovery, which I'll have to give another try sometime. But yeah, so, but while I'm watching that, um, I'm, I was able to find at my local liquor store one of my favorite beers, definitely in the top 10, which is Dangerous I, Man Chocolate Milk Stout. I saw that. We actually went to the Dangerous Man Taproom Brewery when we were up in Minneapolis. Yeah, dude, and that was, it was packed, but it was good beer. I mean, we made, Minneapolis we made, has great beer. We made fantastic friends, though, yeah. that, you know, it was, uh, it's very, very family style. So, you know, you couple seats open up, you got to snag them. So we had a couple, of, uh, a couple that was there invite us to, to drink some beer with them. And dangerous man was awesome. Yeah. It was really good. It was sad that we had to go to 13 other breweries. Cause I would have loved to stay there for three or seven more beers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll do a segment later on talking about our trip to Minneapolis. Uh, Cause uh, we might try and go for the next year's winter classic and hopefully do a live show there. Try to take the girls there. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to get them up there. They'll hate it. But, <laughs> so what are you drinking? Uh, man, I've just been keeping it, keeping it classy. Just a little maker's mark. Hey, hey man, nothing beats it. That's my, that's yeah. my go-to. A lot of people around here in Tennessee are, are big Jack Daniels fans. And Ugh. Hey, I'm not knocking it personally. I don't, I don't, I don't, dislike it but dude there ain't nothing that hits hit home like a a good a good maker's mark so hey shout out danny tanner and i'm not talking about bob saget here okay (laughs) i'm talking about our buddy danny that man loves maker's mark more than i do so maybe not as much as my dad did but (laughs) he and hey funnily enough speaking of danny this man invited us to go on his bachelor party with him (laughs) to st louis he must not have heard the first few episodes, <laughs> did you, Danny? Yeah. So now we know he cut it off about halfway through. Hey. But we're excited, man. No, it's going to hey. be a great time. We'll, we'll catch a cards game, hopefully, and we'll keep you guys updated, and uh, we'll let you know Tra- that might, we might not be recording after that because we might be dead. We Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just statistics. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so time to talk about last week we had a giveaway for free tickets two free tickets to the february 18th game hockey is for everyone game and i am happy to announce that we have a winner miss madeline young and you know so contact us and we'll get you those tickets congratulations yeah but we're not done yet we've got another two tickets to give away and it is for the february 27th game against the flames and that's star wars night so we'll be there be on the lookout on twitter and instagram for that and the facebook and speaking of Twitter, you can find us online at Pucks Out Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Obviously, we're on Facebook. Just search Pucks Out Pod. You know, give us a follow and stay up to date on all these giveaways. You can get yourself some free tickets. Now, let's move in to our favorite segment What Snaps Your Stick? Brandon, what's snapping your stick today? <sighs> I saw one of these at the hockey tournament this weekend, man. Nicknames on the backs of jerseys. Are you kidding me, Hammer? <laughs> I look. I'm calling you out, Hammer, because dude, and I'm gonna need to see some ID if your name is Hammer. You're a grown up. I get it. Your boys call you Hammer. That's cool. That's fine. But your name is not Hammer. Why is it on the back of your jersey? That is uh, that is what sports wise snaps my stick. Yeah, so moving into mine, and I feel pretty strongly about this, and that's uh, quote-unquote gatekeepers. Now, there's a lot of gatekeepers for a lot of different things. What a good, good call. But, you know, people who get mad at people for having multiple favorite teams, you know, I, I think it's it's bullshit, really. I mean, let people enjoy things. You're not the, the deity of hockey or football. You know, if somebody wants to be a fan of multiple teams or even multiple players and they don't really care about teams, they just like players, let it go. You know, personally, I only have one Western Conference team. I've got an Eastern Conference team, and that's about it. But there's a lot of people out there. And I find that this is mostly bros that are directing this towards girls who just, you know, maybe they like one one or two players and they follow that player. Let them do it. It's not hurting you in any way. But uh, what's uh, what's snapping your stick outside of sports? It's uh it's a really a, a big recent trend. But video game pay models these days are really starting to snap my stick where it used to you just buy a game 
And then that was the game. You didn't have to buy 30 additional packages or buy loot boxes or, you know, spend a bunch of money to enjoy the game like other people are enjoying the game. So I hate it. I hate the way that a lot of a lot of specific games have gone and, and how they've done. And sometimes if you do it right, you, they correct the process and, and do it better. But most things are are loot based and, and loot box based now. So that's been wearing me out a lot like the predatory ticket agencies last week. So I'm just going to use this as a platform to just like rail on all the business models. I hate, I think Eat the rich, eat the rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But all right. So moving on to mine, and this is something that I have been seeing since I was a little kid. And that is people who order well done steaks and then complain that it's too dry or it's not good. Now, this is issue, well done, buddy. Now, my <laughs> issue with people ordering anything over medium is a different topic. This is simply talking about the people that if you're going to order that well done, fine. If you like, yeah, exactly. But let people enjoy things. Yeah. You get a well done steak and that's what you like. I'm I mean, if we're buddies, I'm going to I'm going to oh, give you I'm going to yeah. give you a little bit on it. But yeah. But don't bitch but when it comes out and it's dry because guess what? It's well done. Right. You've cooked all the flavor out of it. It right. is no longer a and, and you know what? If you if you're going to get a well done steak, get a hamburger steak. Don't get a good porterhouse or a good fillet and ruin it. Or better yet, don't. Yeah, that's the best <laughs> advice I can give you. The most you should be cooking your steak is meat, medium yeah. rare. Yeah, but oh, I hear what you're saying. If you want to have your steak well done, that's on you. Have yeah. at it. Have Enjoy it. at it, dude. I'm not gonna. I'm not that guy that drench says, it with that a one and <laughs> right. And enjoy, enjoy your steak how you like to enjoy it. But exactly what Bobby is saying is true. You can't be mad that it's not good. You chose this for yourself. So that about wraps up today's show. Uh, it's been a great one. Thanks for listening. But, uh, Brandon, what did you learn today? I learned that you don't think that UT is going to win a natty this 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 year, bro. Not feeling like 98. <laughs> you, I, How do you know, bro? It's not even <laughs> fall yet. All, All right, right, so what about you, man? You yeah, learned anything uh, good? I learned that uh, Keanu Reeves is a vampire or some mythological creature and I, that he was on that lunch atop a skyscraper. I almost said that, and <laughs> so luckily I, I had something different to, to bring to the table. All right, man. So Get yeah. out of here. So for Brandon Bond, this is Bobby Butler. This has been the Pucks Out Podcast, a part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Pucks Out Podcast. To see what other ridiculousness the guys are up to, check them out on Twitter and Instagram at Pucks Out Pod.